Something would have to be done. Phryne stepped lightly to a corner, yelled, The cops! and watched as two blue-clad toughs scrambled up and ran away. The other one stopped to kick the recumbent old woman again, and Phryne could not allow that. He had had his chance. She walked quickly up behind him, waited until his head was in the right position, and clipped him neatly with the hatchet, considerately using the back. She was clad in an outrageously expensive dress and did not want to get blood on it. He collapsed with a satisfactory moan. A returning blue-clad person grabbed him and dragged him off. The soft, scrabbling footsteps died away and Phryne hauled Bungie up by the arm. She was much disarrayed but seemed uninjured. Phryne brushed Bungie down, found her hat and said, "'I wish you weren't so hasty, Bungie, dear.' This looks like a private fight, you know. And that is, it was, a rather nice new dress. Yes, yes, and I'm sorry about the dress, old thing, but we can't allow old ladies to be attacked. It might start a fashion, panted Bungie, rubbing her midsection. Oh, drat, that hurts. One of those thugs punched me in the stomach. Don't they know you aren't supposed to hit a woman? I got him a good one, though. He'll know how I feel about this sort of thing. Unchivalrous in the extreme, agreed Phryne, sighing. Bungie Ross, who was a good friend and a brave and determined flyer, was very hard on clothes. Since everything that Phryne had ever lent her had come back ruined, Phryne had paid for a new dress for her short, plump companion. It had been a flowing but restrained dark plum velvet sack with matching hat and shoes, but a roll in the gutters of Little Burke Street had not improved it, Bungie was wet and muddy and had holed both her stockings. The young man got to his feet, supporting the old woman. She straightened slowly, wiping a shaking hand over her bruised face, then fastened her eyes on Phryne. She saw a small woman dressed in silver, a brocade dress which fitted close to her slim body, a cap of the same material with wings at each side, and on her small feet, silver kid boots with wings at the ankle. Over the dress, she was draped in a flowing velvet coat with a yoke of brocade. She had a pale face and startling green eyes, and black hair barely longer than the cap. The hatchet swung loosely in her gloved hand. The old woman, creaking in all her joints, bowed. It was possible she considered that she had been rescued by a spirit, doubtless sent by the ancestors. The young man, who knew that there were no spirits, saw through his one functioning eye a woman of surpassing otherness, immensely attractive, supremely alive, and shining from head to heel. Phryne abandoned the attempt to make Bungie elegant and decided that she would be acceptable if most of the mud was removed. Someone spoke to her, and she turned. No jun le yo cheng said the old woman, speaking to Phryne's knees in a soft, cultured voice. "'My grandmother thanks you,' said the young man. "'She says that we are deeply in your debt, madame.' "'Not at all,' said Phryne. "'Is your grandmother hurt?' "'She says it is nothing to signify,' the young man bowed in turn. "'I am Lin Chong.' It is the Lin family you have rescued in so timely a fashion. His accent, to her astonishment, was pure Eton and Oxford. Phryne took the offered hand and looked appreciatively at him. 
She could not tell if he was handsome, as the recent altercation had split his lip and blackened his eye. However, he was not much taller than herself, beautifully compact and sleek, the hand in her own strong but gentle. She was intrigued. Mr. Lynn, I have an engagement at the theatre. I really must restore my friend to respectability. Can you provide us with a wash and brush up? He nodded and walked to a nearby door. It opened to his tap, and the old woman hobbled inside. I say, Phryne, is this safe? whispered Bungie. They aren't white slavers or something, are they? It was too dark for Phryne's withering glare to have any effect, so she settled for saying, Don't be so silly, Bungie. Besides, I've still got this hatchet. They were in an anteroom to a warehouse, piled with bundles which oozed such pungent and alien scents that Phryne sniffed with delight. Saffron, she was sure. But what was that strange antiseptic reek? And what on earth could anyone use those evil-looking dried eels for? In here, if you please, madame, said Lin Chung. I will send someone to attend you. He conducted Phryne and Bungie into a small room of such elegance that Bungie exclaimed, By Jove! and Phryne gasped. The walls were hung with red silk. Bolts of it must have gone into the decoration. It was figured with small medallions of thread which, from the soft gleam, Phryne decided must be pure gold. Bungie stood on a priceless silk carpet carved with phoenixes and did not dare to move. I say she whispered. What have we got ourselves into? I don't know, but it's very pretty. A door opened in the silk-clad wall, and a young woman as distant and aloof as a porcelain doll entered. With her came a stout elderly woman in a print dress and apron. Unspeaking, the woman and the girl laid a sheet on the floor, poured hot water into a huge tang bowl, decorated with horses, and produced fluffy towels and soap. They divested Bungie of her dress, which was taken by an unseen person outside the door, and then dabbed gently at the mudstains and a small graze on Bungie's knuckles. Bungie stood in exquisite embarrassment, not wishing to interrupt what appeared to be a ritual, as she was cleansed, dried, and provided with new stockings and wrapped in a padded silk gown. While the old woman took the washing things away, the girl produced a decanter and poured a stiff brandy for each woman, still mute. She looked about sixteen and had evidently been in bed, for her waist-length hair was still in its nighttime plait. Phryne accepted the glass and said, Hello. The girl looked at her for the first time. Hello, she replied sulkily. Is this the sort of thing you drink? Only Grandmother said to look after you because you rescued her, and I'll get into trouble if it isn't right. It's just what we wanted. Thank you. What's your name? Here they call me Annie. I'll go and get the dress. Popo's maid is cleaning it. Annie, what did we interfere in? I can't tell you. The composure broke and Annie's black eyes flashed. I'm not going to tell you. Why did you have to come along just then? Fate, said Phryne, nettled. Can you find a safe place for this? She handed over the hatchet. Annie took it. Grandmother wants her address. She pointed to Bungie. Oh, why? Bungie's thoughts had clearly turned to white slaving again. So that she can send you a present to thank you for rescuing her. Very well, 
said Bungie, writing down her name and address in a silk-covered notebook which the girl held out. But it was my pleasure, really, she said doubtfully. Closing the book, Annie reverted to her doll-like stillness, bowed to an exact degree, and left. Phryne looked at Bungie, who shrugged. They're chinks, they're aliens, what did you expect? Bungie, do stop calling them chinks, it's not polite. What else can I call them? asked Bungie reasonably. That's what they are. This is a nice robe, though. She smoothed the decorated material with a hard hand. The elderly woman returned with the dress, invisibly mended, and cleaned of stains, and Bungie pulled it on and shoved her hat back onto her head, hiding her short hair. Well, let's go. It has been an exciting evening, but I don't want to miss seeing Bert again, though I don't know about this opera, Phryne. I've never been a culture shark like you. Is it all fat ladies bellowing at each other? No, it's very funny, and you'll like it, said Phryne firmly. She finished the cognac and put down the glass, wondering if they should just walk out. Bungie settled this by striding through the antechamber and into Little Burke Street, and Phryne followed. She had reached the door when the young man appeared, touched her arm, and said, Madame, we are in your debt. Can we know who you are? Why do you want to know? asked Phryne, pausing at the door. It was all my friend's idea. I just cleaned up after her. She's the valiant one. He smiled at her, an action which must have hurt. I wish to come and express our family's gratitude in some tangible form. The sensual suggestion was strong, and Phryne was attracted. She found her card and held it up. What will you give me, then, Mr. Lynn, to express your gratitude? I will sit at your feet and sing your praise all night, Silver Lady. The voice was soft, and Phryne felt an answering smile curving the corner.